Camille Kayam, Fathers of the Fod. <laughs> Fathers of the Fod. Camille Kayam, Fathers of the Future podcast. Take one for her, take two for me. Echo Rivers, Echo Rivers. Oh, I messed up. I messed up. Okay, three, two. Can you? Just gotta keep going. When you're ready to start, you start. I'm just ready to start. Ready? Like a river, 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 like a river. Shut your mouth and run me like a river. How do you fall in love? Harder than a bullet could hit ya. How do we fall apart? Faster than a hairpin trigger. Don't you say it. Don't you say it. Welcome back to another Fathers of the Future experience. I am in Portland, Oregon. You can get a little bit of sound from the energy in the backdrop. We're running this thing back because the reality is, Chris, we got to make it happen the right way and if it's not if it's not authentic and it's not real and it's not raw it's not this message so i am here with my man chris wigger in portland oregon we are at 24 7 uh, creative ad branding agency and we're sitting in a teepee right now and tell us about this place and this space that we're sitting in on a monday morning you can feel the energy blowing through the waves. You can hear it in the background. There's bicycle racks. Uh, there's a library. I mean, this place is amazing. Yeah. The, you know, we've created a, uh, a, a little a palace or a, <laughs> I don't know if it's quite a palace, but we've created a, a space to, um, you know, to, to have energy flow for people to find their creative space. Um, you know, it's open. It's, uh, there's a lot of little places to go and hide and think. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, places to find what you need to find to be the most creative. Uh, in this space we're sitting here, this teepee, you know, we created this teepee uh, for a Christmas party a couple of years ago, and it sat out in our driveway and people had to find it. And inside of this teepee, we had a recording where you could tell stories. We had prompts for telling stories about Christmas, your favorite Christmas, uh, you could sing carols with a guy playing guitar, and there's speakers lining the outside of this, and that would project out. So through that, you know, people loved it, and we found, okay, we have this, we have this amazing new creative space to put in our space. Uh, let's throw it in and let's do a podcast ourselves um, talking about what we stand for as far as entrepreneurs, leadership, um, have guests on that uh, need to tell their story or their story needs to be shared um, on all sorts of different subjects, but really around that kind of entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and 24-7 has been here for uh, some time now? We're going on our 22nd year. Wow. Uh, 22nd year, which is, is pretty amazing in this space. Uh, we haven't been eaten up. We haven't, uh, you know, sunk. And I think it's, it's, it goes back to our tenants, and it goes back to kind of what we stand for as a company. We're, so we're a, uh, a design and branding firm, but we what we do first is we study humans. We study the human mindset, 
um, and we look, we take what, what our clients are looking for this is the end goal, and we create the game plan around that. And the game plan is around what the consumer actually wants. And from that, we can design amazing experiences that um, hit them individually and, uh, you know, obviously help our clients drive better business. And culture is strong with your company. Culture is strong with you as creative. Yeah, culture is key. Uh, so part of my role, so I, I, I'm a, a senior uh, account executive. So I run the account team um, and then I'm the go between our design group and those functions and, and some, our major accounts. Uh, you know, so dealing with both sides there. But I'm also director of culture and we, you know, you're defined by your culture and we hold on to it so strong and um, in, in the way we hire. But not only that, in, in who we decide to work with. We're lucky 22 years of business. We're in a space now where we can choose uh, who we work with. So we talk about, too, when we when we go in with a new prospective client, we're interviewing them as well. Mm. You know, we're not just cowering down to, oh, we need this client. This is what they want. Is, is this going to fit our culture? Is our team going to be excited about this project or working with these people? You know, it only takes one cancer to blow the whole and I don't, I don't want to use cancer loosely, but to blow up the sure. whole thing, you, you have one kind of bad experience and it can fracture your team. So, yeah, we hold on to that, that culture strong. Yeah, and you've got seven, eight, nine different companies inside of one, different areas. How, how does that work? Yeah, so we have, uh, you know, we have our main company is that. And then, you know, we've started uh, an incubator as well. Um Really hinting around, so we have nine tenants, like I said before, and our main tenant, there's two that really strike, uh, I think, a chord with a lot of people, and one is called entrepreneurial spirit. And um, I think uh, sometimes we think of entrepreneurs as the guy that went and started the company or, you know, the... I'm going to go start an electric car company. He's an entrepreneur. He took the risk to do that. But it's a, entrepreneurship is actually a mindset, and it's something that we look for in everybody that we hire. So that mindset is, um, hey, if I give you a task or you, liked, you like something, you have, you have complete ability to take that and drive it yourself and make of it as you, as you wish. And you take the leap. You take the charge. Um, to do that. So you find that mindset in, in people. So with that, we've also created an incubator for entrepreneurs. And what happens is in a lot of VCs and a lot of entrepreneurial uh, situations, somebody has a product, an idea, they get their funding and they don't, um, they don't necessarily spend the money on this side of the business, the marketing, the branding, the consumer experience. They're, they're spending it on, you know, hiring people, making more product. So we've created an incubator where we'll do what we do best for your company as we help you along the journey, you know, for a stake or a share in that gives us something to drive towards. But it also is helping these people in a way that they didn't think they needed that. You know, I always just think that marketing comes last, or so. But it's actually some of the most important stuff. If you don't have a brand, if you don't have a goal, if you don't have a um, structure of how you're going to get there, oftentimes they fail. So it's just a new way to another mindset. Anyway, and you talk about innovation and creation as yeah. well. Uh, some of the companies that you're working with. Yeah. So, um, you know, we work with some really big companies, Nike, AT&T, uh, Adidas, um, just to name a few. And I think what they're seeing is the cultural shift in um, consumer. You know, you, you have this meld of brick and mortar and uh, online and 
a lot of people have kept it separate. They're saying brick and mortar's dying, you know, online's killing it. But actually, the two can come together. But it's just the way it's it's rebranding and rethinking of how you use the brick and mortar space, and not necessarily um, looking at the two as a separate, uh, you know, ROI. But what's one ROI? If I create an amazing experience for you, like if you come into this, you know, TP, and I have this awesome experience, and then outside. You know, I'm selling something and you can go online and buy it. Great. I don't care where you purchase it as long as you become a brand advocate and loyal because you had the best time ever experiencing the journey of whatever we're offering. Yeah. Experiential based learning and teaching and all of it is just so powerful. And one of the reasons when I I gave you a shout out and said, hey, man, we're coming to Portland for the weekend. We're we're staying at your house. We're we're coming up. I want to get you on this podcast it had more to do with who you are as a father and as a leader and the energy we use right. that word a lot and we have since we got together the energy that you have when you when you enter a room uh, we talked about it on the pre-show just a couple minutes ago but what's amazing about you and impactful in my life in yeah. the short time we've We've met each other. I think this is our fourth occasion. Sure. Right. Yeah. One, Somewhere in there. <laughs> one was at your wife's birthday party. One was at your wedding, and and right. I think one other. Oh, one was at my roast birthday your roast, party. That's right. And then here. Yeah. We've always connected from uh, an athletic alpha male standpoint. Sure. We're, we're both athletes and have been our whole life. Right. But where we really connected just in the past 24 hours was the emotional connection and the depth of of who you are. And what I love about you is that you know you are. Uh, you're 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 a big bear. You're you're lovable. You're caring. You're sweet. You're authentic, but you're also scary as fuck. <laughs> and, and and I said it a couple minutes ago, and, and I mean that in a good way. You use the term, you know, the duality of who you are inside and outside, and, and the right. difference. You played college football. Talk us through this path of really, you know, growing up in Portland, playing sports, playing football. How you got here, and where we're at right now. Yeah, you know. Um, Sports for me became a way to stay focused. Um, uh, and I, you know, I wasn't overly athletic growing up. So, you know, soccer, baseball, basketball, I tried them all. Uh, and then when you're just built like this, you know, there's, just, there's football. And, and, um, and, you know, and I, this is what? I, I'm a 6'4, um, 200 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Pushing the high two hundreds, we'll put it there. Yeah. Um, but but I had that build, and um, you you find the you know you find whatever you're passionate about. But I think also what you can be good at. Um, you know, there's there's some sports where you're just uh, you're not made for it. So I found I found that sport, and it it kept me focused. Like I said, you know, I just remember back in high school, um, I was running with a, a fast group, and I knew I had this goal of college and I had to make that decision early on. It's hard, you know, as a 15, 16 year old kid, I was like, guys, you know, I love you, but you guys are going down this way and I want to go this way. And, um, you know, football set that guidepost for me because Mm -hmm. I might not have had it, you know, um, through football, I gained this kind of popularity and friend group because I was good at it. And I, you know, all of a sudden you get the attention, but also through that attention, this bad path was coming. So anyway, it, it took me and it, and it carried me through and I was lucky enough to get a scholarship and, and play college football, um, here in Portland, uh, which was amazing. It was an amazing f- five year run, uh, maybe five and a half. I, I had 
you know, some, some injuries that gave me some extra time in college, which was, which was great. Um, and you explained the gray shirt to me last yeah. night. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And I had never heard of that. And I played football yeah. in Juco. Explain that to the listeners. Yeah. So I, uh, my senior year going into my senior year, uh, I tore my ACL at a football camp in the summer. And so then I had to make the decision on if I was going to get it fixed or play. And, um, I decided to brace it up and play you know, all my, a lot of my bigger scholarship offers started falling out. And I thought, well, I need to take this leap because uh, otherwise I'll just be, I'll, I'll be a step behind. And so, uh, I gutted it out and played. And, um, <clears throat> again, the school in Portland stuck with me. Um, and so I got my knee fixed and what you do is you sit out that fall. So you just don't enroll in school. And then you don't gain any, lose any eligibility. So I came in the winter term, which becomes the fun, the next year. So then I went winter, spring term, did spring football with the team. Then that next fall, I was able to redshirt. So um, I started a little bit later. I was almost a class behind. I was a class behind, um, but it gave me that year that I needed to, you know, rehab and and get get my body and my mind right. So then I could attack school and then. Attack football. So. Was that the worst injury you've ever suffered? That was the worst one. Um, yeah, what, definitely. What does that do for you mentally? Because I, I've been pretty, you know, fortunate. I've had some minor, you know, injuries, yeah. but nothing that's ever made me incapable of, you know, performing. But yeah. I know guys that they get hurt, and before you know it, they're done mentally more than yeah. physically. Yeah. No, I think. Having it happen uh, when it happened was obviously devastating emotionally for me. You know, you have these goals and, you, and it, when it happened to me, it was still ACL was a death sentence in, in my mind. What I'd found was that um, there's doc, a great doctor here that they had come up with new ways to do the surgery. Instead of taking it from a cadaver, they take it from your own body. And he was on the forefront of that. So they take your patella tendon and make an ACL. Um, I never had an issue with it. I've had other injuries, but nothing with that one. It's, uh, which is amazing for, you know, for the weakness of that. So, but happening so young, you know, and kind of being on the, the face of losing everything that you dreamed about created a new mental toughness. And I did carry that through college. And, um, you know, the, the reasons I got to start, I got to start my freshman year and the coaches said, you know, you're, you're the most mentally tough guy. We have to slot somebody in. A kid got hurt ahead of me and um, you're there like you're the next man up. We know you can do it. I was a little bit undersized for being a freshman in uh, college, but, you know, it was that mental toughness. It was that grind. It was learning how to rehab, you know, um, and it was work. And it was a new training that I'd never had had to do before because I had natural strength and natural ability at my position. So it was a good gut check. Yeah. If that's a long winded yeah, answer. No, was, uh, yeah, no. You know. <laughs> discipline, honor, and leadership are, are the three key principles yeah. I look at with football. And let me just frame it like this to the audience of listeners. Uh, woke up this morning in, in your home and you have two sons playing high school football. That's right. Um, you have... Uh, son Bennett, who was in the house this morning yes. e eating eggs made by your wife with <laughs> my son and my daughter. And we're going to get back to those two. And then you had Jackson, who's a senior in high school. So we catch a ride with you to the football field. Now, this is a Monday morning. My kids are missing school and they're missing practice. My son missing football practice, tackle football, and my daughter missing soccer. Plus me being the man and, and the father that I am, a father of the future, if mm -hmm. you will, said, well, it's a Monday morning. We got to train. So we're going to the field. 
Right. So you got a varsity football team with Jackson on it. You got a JV football team with Bennett on it. And then you got the three Kayams in the corner running sprints and training. I had to do a live video on it because it wasn't what you think. If anybody had seen us, they'd be like, wow, those kids are committed. But what right. you didn't hear was me yelling and then in return, my kids yelling back and then yeah. us getting stuck and not being able to progress. And then eventually me training harder than them. And then ultimately a 60 minute workout, but it wasn't easy. It was right. hard right. because I was portraying to them the value of what they're doing Yes. while doing it alongside them. Right. While also getting them to realize that nobody did that for me. Right. And their life is not my life and their gap is not my gap as I talk about often. But at the same time, there's somebody here who cares enough about you to see you succeed, knowing that you can't just go through the motions. Right. Have you coached your kids along the way? A hundred percent. And um, I, I think the thing that I'm impressed with by what you're describing there too, like is, you, is you've got two young ones, young, younger than mine, obviously, who um, they did get up though, and they weren't complaining. They had a smile on their face. They said thank you when they got their eggs, and they went out and did it and um, easily could have. They're traveling. They're in a new place, rolled over and said, Dad, I don't want to do it. I, I didn't hear that argument. Um, uh, and with that, I think you, there's two kids there that appreciate, you know, whether it's you're working their butts off, but they appreciate that you're there and that time with you. And it's something I learned from my father. My dad did the same thing he was he would get my brother and my sisters and I up and he on a Saturday and he would he would take us out and work on whatever we needed to work on he would come home after working and make sure we threw the threw the ball threw the baseball kicked the soccer ball he he was coaching all of our teams and he had five kids and you know he did this for each one of us individually and together as a group and so i took that and i've transferred it over to both boys um you know bennett's passionate about football our youngest and and he was an o-lineman he's a line size kid and i can teach him that uh our oldest is uh jackson you know he likes football but he loves lacrosse and he came to me in the fourth grade i knew nothing about lacrosse nothing and i used a baseball mitt and we practiced you know, lacrosse and got him better. And I decided to volunteer and help coach the team, even though I knew nothing so that I could learn the game. You know, I was just shuttling kids in and out, helping the coach, but slowly learned the game and learned a passion for it. And he said, he said, I want to go play in college. So, okay, well, dad, you played college sports. What do I need to do? Mm. And let's, okay, let's get that work. What, mindset. what age was that for him? Uh, for him, it was probably sixth or seventh grade mm -hmm. when he's like, I, I, I really love this sport and I, I want to, I want to do it in the future. And for him, uh, you know, what, what I used it as when I was in high school as that guidepost, he's done the same thing. You know, he's severely dyslexic. He, um, but through, through the sport and through his goal, he's, you know, maintained his work ethic. He's got a grind on, on schoolwork, but he's, he's done that because he has this goal and this passion to, to play at the next level. So he knew he had to do it. He couldn't let that part fall off either. So he, you know, he's got this, this, that passion for it. And I see the same thing with Bennett with football, you know, um, just how do I get better? I want to do the stuff on the weekends. I want to do that. So another long winded yeah, answer no, for no, you, but no. you know, like that, it's, it's, it's the greatest thing for me is to be able to what in whatever they want to do. If they, 
just be involved and drive the passion and just be a sounding board for them. And um, you, cause you can't do it for them, yeah. but you can show them how to do it. Yeah. yeah. A, a lot of resistance I look at in life that I, that my kids and I have, yeah. and then I, I start to think about all the resistance in my life, whether it's, you know, finding a new client or, you know, getting a new podcast launch or reading or writing or, you know, meditation, all of it, there's some form of resistance. So I look at, coaching and training my kids as look this is a the most important client that i have right right yeah for and, sure and that if i don't lead them nobody else will right. and they may resist and they may fight back and they may say this sucks don't be my coach be my dad and yada whatever they say and i just take it and i don't get upset or disappointed about it yeah. and i just realize that like anybody we're gonna face some resistance from people what would you say to the dad who might be you know looking at god i don't want to push my kid too hard but i also know i'm not pushing them enough yeah i think i think one of the funny things is is that if you ask a lot of athletes and they talk about their coach they say he was like a father to me Mm -hmm. right so the opposite side (laughs) can my father be like a coach to me is the way that i I have always thought about that and um i think it, it 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 is that same um it's got to be that same mindset. The way I the way I experienced it from my father was um, I can tell a story. I, I remember it vividly. I was in uh, I was in kindergarten. It was my first year of soccer. I'd never played an organized sport. I'm highly competitive, and the other team kept scoring. And this kid kept after he'd score, he's celebrating, and we're running, you know, opposite ends of the field. I'm going the other side, and I stuck my foot out and tripped him. <laughs> And my dad ran out on the field and he grabbed me by the arm and he made me pick the kid up and apologize and say they're sorry. And then we had this long, you know, I'm crying. At this point, I'm embarrassed. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. And had this long conversation of like, you, sports is this bigger thing. Um, it's, it's, it's a guidepost for life, but how you act is, is way more important. So you just showed bad sportsmanship. You showed that all the work that you wanted to do and drive, it just went out the window. And, and then at the, at the end, he hugged me and said, I love you. It was yeah. a learning lesson. We're going to move forward. How do I get past it? And, and I think that's the most important part is you can be hard and you can drive them, but you also have to hug them and tell them you love them and, and then move to the next phase of it. Yeah. There's a code that I live by that I share with a lot of the men that, that I lead and coach. And, uh, if, if I follow that code and I live by that every day, Mm -hmm. there's more flow, there's more harmony in what I'm doing. Show up, don't quit, do the work, or do the fucking work, depending on who I'm speaking <laughs> right, to. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Trust the process, right. and then lead with love. That's right. And that leadership piece, but doing it with love. Anybody can yell and bark and scream and say, you know, do a thousand burpees, but not do it themselves. The love part brings me back to why I'm doing it. That's right. I've heard you say I love you a few times yeah. already this morning, <laughs> and, and you know, in this 24 hours that we've been here. Yeah. Your dad said I love you a lot to you. He did. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was, it was such an important part that I didn't realize till I got older and really it wasn't until I got into college and started talking to other, you know, we were young men, but talking to other men about, they didn't have the same relationship. You know, my dad was, um, he was an executive. 
he traveled a ton, but he was he made it to 99% of our things. It was the, that was important to him. And if it was going out with the boys after work for beers, which was kind of the culture at the time, and maybe cost him some promotion, he was dedicated to the family, and he was dedicated to being at those things, and taught me that it's okay to be tough, and it's okay to also be loving. And getting that tool that, that those aren't two opposite things. Those are, are one mm. and they make you a stronger person as a whole. And he didn't have that, which is what was so amazing about it. He grew up in a really a kind of abusive um, family. He grew up in a, you know, he talked about his parents never went to any of his games. He got knocked out in a baseball game and he woke up the hospital with a friend's mom there, you know? So he set out to change that and change the mindset and, and change that for the future. And now I see it, right? So now I'm doing it and I see it in my boys. They're so loving and caring, but have the toughness side. So hopefully they'll do it with their kids. So he changed that cycle. So he broke the cycle. He broke it. Yeah. And yeah. then you've, you've upgraded it, right? right? Yeah. You've added to what he did. Yeah, 100%. What did he share with you about his own father and growing up? Um, you know, it was just somebody that wasn't there. He was there. He provided, but there was no emotional side to it. There was, um, you know, only kind of some strict discipline from afar. So it was strict discipline that you, there was a man upstairs that said, this is the way it is, but who is he really? Um, I never really got to know his dad before he passed away. Um, and so, you know, for for my for my father it was this hole that he decided to fill in himself and when he had us he saw this opportunity to change that um but i wanted to go back to you know i didn't realize that most a lot of young men didn't have this kind of father and how lucky i was because when i was in college my dad was also with his territory able to come to a lot of our college games so he would be at the hotel and got to know all the guys and would hug them and uh, when my father passed away eight years ago um, at the at the funeral, one of my buddies stood up and he said, your dad was the first man, like a father figure that hugged me and told me he loved me. And I'll never forget that. And then another guy stood up. Me, too. Your dad was the first one mm. that just every time wow. he wouldn't shake my hand, he would only hug me yeah. and say, I love you good luck, go get him. And I felt like he was my dad. Yeah. You know? And so, um, I didn't even then, you know, you come up and that unfortunately it had to be in that situation, but you learn the impact of, of that. Yeah. So, so powerful. Yeah. That, that word impact in itself. You think about it, you know, last night I asked your son, I said, Hey, are you excited? He said, yeah. I said, do you have goals set? Because I knew when I was that age, I was just going into the season right? and, uh, you know, told him good luck and didn't give him a hug, but I will give him a hug when I leave. Cause you don't realize the impact that you can or can't have yeah. on someone's life. Right. And I tell my kids, I love them all the time and I give them hugs, but imagine the power you're yeah. right of, yeah. of being able to give that gift and maybe not breaking, you know, the, the cycle of that family, but at least inserting this gift of love right to somebody who might need it who who knows yeah 
and maybe has never gotten an I love you from their dad. 100%. And, and I think, too, you know, they look at the, my you know, the friends look at and I'm sure, you know, Canon's friends look at you when you're training them as, as this alpha and this strong guy. And you're, you do have a great personality. And, you know, I'm sure they can tell the kindness. But um, at the same time, when you're doing all that, if at the same time you're coaching them, you can just get to that level with them. It's just a game changer. Yeah, it really is, you know, and, yeah. I, and, and I know for me, they, they look like, oh, you know, they start with the alpha thing we were talking yeah. about before. Your dad's scary, yeah. you know, <laughs> but now when they come in the house yeah. and they expect a you know, a, yeah. a bro, even if it's just a bro hug, right. When they expect that and like, how you doing and yeah. sit down and tell me what's going on, you know, uh, you just see their eyes change yeah. and teaching them. I think we get an opportunity again now to teach that we can have both. They know how hard I am yeah. on my boys. They see me push my boys, yeah. but then they see this other side. And, and I think that that's the most, you know, that's the most important thing. It's magical yeah. to be able to do both. Right. right? Yeah. You were a single father, but not right away in the journey. Yeah. Right. So just kind of walk us through the linear timeline of, of post-college football, yeah. getting married, yeah. getting pregnant, getting divorced. Right. Tell us about that first phase of fatherhood for you. Yeah, my journey was my journey was kind of crazy into fatherhood. I was um I had a I had a good path. Man, I was going down this path of I was graduating early cuz I had that gray shirt year. I was either going to go into um you know, go and get my master's degree because I had this extra year of football and I was, I'd graduated and, um, I actually was about to take my last final and my girlfriend at the time came in and said, you know, surprise, we're going to have a, a child. And, um, it's funny cause then the path just like closed in. Right. So now it's not even, you're not at a crossroads. It was just now I'm hacking through the jungle. Like it, all of a sudden we're in this thick jungle. And I just remember the mindset of, um, I went and took the final, aced it. I went to work. I worked at a bar. Guy walked in, um, said, I need an intern. I said, I'll be your intern. Mm -hmm. Cause I knew this thing was happening. It was all in a day. It was crazy. Wow. Right. And I think it's, it was, it just meant to be for whatever reason. And I just jumped right on board with it. And I don't, I should have been scared and I probably was. And, and maybe it's like a band aid or a broken arm. You know, you don't remember the pain. You just remember you had a cast, but, and you got through it, <laughs> but I just, I, I jumped on board. Um, we had, we had the baby on February 5th, uh, Jackson, not the baby 2001, February 5th is my birthday. Oh, so wow. this, I had this beautiful birthday present. Wow. Um, that's pretty cool. And man. you know, we got married right before, uh, it was going down the path of doing the right thing, quote unquote. But in hindsight, you are only 24 years old. Your, your wife's 24 years old. It's a new, like life changed quickly. Um, and we got on different tracks. Um, and I think, you know, part of it is, is I had my education. I had goals. I had, I had a job, you know, it, I was happy. And I think, you know, there's a real sense of kind of, I didn't do enough before I had the baby on, on his mom's side. And she's not, I obviously not here to, to speak or defend herself. And we just, we just went two different ways. I think it was really hard for her. Some, um, mental health issues came up with her that, you know, finding out she's bipolar. Um, so that baby thing just, you know, threw it off. It, all these things came to, to, uh, to that, to a head. And, you know, we decided to split. 
And, and um, that's three years into both fatherhood and marriage. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So both. And um, so you guys split and yeah. all of a sudden now you're a single dad. Yeah. So uh, and I'm a single dad facing um, a future for my son looking at it. And and I don't know. There's plenty of single dads out there that have faced this is um, there's a system that's kind of set up to favor to favor the mom. You know, the court system says just traditionally it makes sense. I totally get it. But I was sitting there in a, in a lawyer's office and I didn't have a lot of money. I mean, even I was young and and probably didn't hire the best. And he's like, well, you know, you get you'll get your son every other weekend. And then the rest of the time you can play golf and hang out with your buddies. And I just <laughs> sat there and kind of pushed the chair back. It's like, that's not what I want. That's not my connection with this yeah. with this kid. And um, I fired him <laughs> and, uh, you know, went to court um was kind of told the same thing. You're going to get your son every other weekend. And for me and my drive and my passion and just, again, the kid's born on my birthday, the way that I just attacked it, that just didn't feel good to me. And um, I found somebody that would help me with the fight. And um, it was a fight. And um, I say fight in the term is, you know, I'd, I had to go through a custody study. We had It, it was a year-long process of, determining who's going to be the best parent for this child. And it was hard. Uh, it was emotional. And, but I knew that I had, we say to our kids, right? I give you anything. I will do anything for you. So I had to do that. And, um, I ended up winning and I, winning is a loose term. I, I don't like saying winning, but there was a winner and a loser in, in, in this battle. And I ended up getting custody of him when he was four full-time custody and that set another journey wow. so yeah you know now now you're you're everything um you're responsible for school you're responsible for doctor's appointments um the day-to-day -day life of this you know cool little dude and yeah like, shout out to all the single fathers out there and mothers of course but the yeah. single fathers i was a single father last week monday through friday <laughs> and by the time friday came i was yeah. like all right uh i'm about to lose my mind if I don't get a little bit of space. Yeah. And again, like you, I am super involved, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I am immersed in my kids right. from morning until night. So I just needed, I needed a space, a break. I needed to just, you know, internalize my own conversation, but it was 8 p.m. on Friday night. Oh, yeah. And I was like, holy fuck, yeah. how could you, how could I do this? And you always think in the back of your mind, well, you know, I'm, I'm not living every day like what if, Right. But if something were to happen to my wife or if something were to happen to our relationship, whatever, they're older now at four years of age, yeah. you're a single dad yeah. coming off of football. What are you doing? Where are you working? How are you surviving yeah. and maintaining all this? Yeah. So I, um, I was, I had a, I jumped into like a lot of athletes do. I jumped into the medical sales world. Um, it's lucrative. It's, uh, it's, I had a territory that was local. So I was covering hospitals in my, you know, in the city of Portland. So I was, I was, you know, fortunate enough. I found that, um, and I was able to be here. You know, I didn't have to travel out of state too, too, too much of the time. Um, and, uh, so, I, so I was set up. Okay. You know, to handle that, I was able to get him into a, a really cool daycare that was close to our house. So, you know, we could get on a flow and, 
And I'm lucky to have five, four siblings. I'm one of five and a mom that all live in Portland. And there was a lot of help. And, and to say I did it on my own would be, you know, a lie. Um, so there was a lot of help there in that way. And, um, you know, you, you grind it out. And I did have, I think we talked about this, you know, I did have every other weekend off. He did go see his mom every other weekend. And it was a good reset for me. And it was just enough time, you know, you go through something like that and you see a lot of guys just fall off the, mm. the rails or they, you know, they start partying or they do the wrong thing. Yeah. And um, I had, and I said it to you, it was like a bowling alley, yeah. you know, with the rails on the side. You know, I was throwing for the, the pins. <laughs> I was having a good time. But I had this, this guide rail that never let me fall in the gutter. And, you know, I would have my Friday and my Saturday do what I want. And he would come home Sunday and I'm back into dad mode. Yeah. And um, so in a way, you know, that that's actually kind of beautiful yeah. to have that own time. And I never resented the other side of it because I got to do what I needed to do on those, those yeah. times off. It's such a great metaphor. There, there's a lot of guys I know who have gone through separation or divorce mode. Mm-hmm. And for that five to seven day period, they're reliving their days in yeah, college. Right. And, uh, you know, we, we call them, well, there, there's different names for these birds, as we call them, sure, both the male sure, or yeah. the female, especially in Scottsdale, <laughs> man. Uh, you know, uh, but they've lost their truth, their reality, right. and their yeah. connection, which is so key. Yeah. You stayed connected to your son since I day did. one. Yeah, I did. And, you know, it also helped with just choices of, you know, you start, you start dipping your toe back in the water, but you've got this other, you know, I'm not throwing a bunch of women at this kid, you know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, you, you get another mental check there as well. And, um, you know, what's best for, for him. So. Super cool story. I'm going to share my man, uh, high school friend, middle school friend, Dimitri yeah. Regopoulos gets married, has two kids, him and his wife fall apart. They get divorced. And throughout the process, he was, he was dating. He was dating significantly, but he never ever brought a woman home. She yeah. never stayed the night when his kids were there. His That's kids right. never met another woman. And four or five years later, him and his ex-wife got back together and got married again. Yeah. And I'm so proud of him for that because he could have easily been like, totally. you know what? Fast piece of ass, bring her home. Who oh, gives yeah. a shit, right? My son's sleeping, my daughter's sleeping, right. get her out of the house and work that process. Yeah. But ultimately, he stayed true, yeah. and he and he truly believes that by staying true to that, his girls never went and ran home to mom to say, "Hey, who's this woman?" Or right. they never felt it. He right. took care of his girls first. That's right. And because of that, they got they got reunited and back together. Such a powerful story. And it's just a strong foresight to know that there's more to their future and yeah. more to your own future too. To to just kind of throw and mix that all together and create more chaos. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not necessarily hard, but it's not easy either. Yeah. You know, there's, there's emotional things as a, as a person you're trying to fulfill in yourself. But, um, yeah, that ground check. And if I, I don't think if I had custody, you know, who knows what happened if I didn't have that, yeah. you know, and I don't, I don't dwell on it, but you just never know which you way you know. go. Yeah. So. And you ultimately found love and got remarried again. But tell yeah. tell us again in that in that time frame, yeah. uh, your medical sales. You got a four or five year old. You got yeah. full time custody, and you're kind of living and doing your jam. Yeah. And then when do you meet your your wife? Yeah. So um, I, I found I found my queen as as yeah. you talk about in the in 
this uh, intro, and it's true. And um, I think all those things that we talked about setting up to, you know, being selective and you know waiting for the for the right thing and not just you know jumping into the next adventure. Um, I was I think Jackson. So for he was about going on seven six six years old but um i'd met uh, i'd met my wife um at some different functions um and she had she actually started this company and she's a you know her she's a she's a force to be reckoned with uh, and i'd met her at a few different functions i probably um she gave you the stiff arm yeah at one. <laughs> she did that's where i was gonna go this you know we, we were having a, a conversation so i had a friend that worked here and so he would invite me to different functions and parties and um we again we'd have a conversation but one time we were having a deep conversation i said something i don't know what it was and she just kind of said that's great and turned and like basically this conversation's over and i remember walking back to my friend rich and saying you know she just threw down a gauntlet there's a challenge i love that you know i love i love this woman i'm yeah. going to i'm going to make this work you know and again set that goal and and just started putting it in different people's heads around and people had that we were both close to um you know I was friends with her son's nanny at the time as well just uh, through a different relationship and um she was starting to mention it to me because we're both we both have similar personalities similar drives um I think somebody said it once one of her friends is like you have to be able to go to a party and run the room on your own you can't you know she's gonna go and do her thing and to me, that was perfect, and that's what we do. We're we're okay going to opposite ends of the room, working the room like two, you know, uh, sheepdog wrangling <laughs> yeah. the thing into a, you know, whipping it up into a fun mess, and then meeting afterwards and saying that was awesome, yeah. right? And 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 then hugging it out. So uh, anyway, long story again. Uh, we met and um, we took it slow, and his his my friend rich's uh baby shower was where we just we had time to sit down and talk we talked all night long um and just kind of hit from there and then really went on the path of how do we slow path of how we bring your boy my boy and us together as one so. and when you say slow i mean how many years did you were guys living apart we were living apart uh for uh i would say eight years um yeah, eight years. Then we were, um, and and apart as far as different schools, different house. You know, we spend the weekends together. Um, we would go on trips with the boys, and you know, slowly they let them kind of find their path, but have it be a safe safe way to do that. Um, and then made the decision um, to come together. Uh, really, when the boys were at a transition in their school life, um, for Jackson it was middle school, um, and w- we knew the path we were on. We weren't going anywhere, um, but it's like let's make this perfect. I can't make another mistake with this boy. And you know, uh, with with Bennett, she Mimi was the same way. She didn't bring a bunch of people around, um, so it was very cautious. Um, but when we made the leap, and then uh, then we were together for ten years, and wow. then got married. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and let's talk about the wedding. Uh, yeah, you and your wife Mimi love to throw parties. We do, and some of the coolest party, if not the coolest parties I've ever been to in my life. Now I haven't been to the Playboy Mansion yet. <laughs> I don't know if I need to go, but they're up there with 
uh, everything from the invitation to the entertainment. What does it do for you to be able to throw a party for other people to experience the way that you and Mimi live? Can I, I'm going to step back because I want to go back to, I'm in medical sales and I'm bored Mm. and um, it wasn't the path I was meant to go on, but it was right for what I needed to do at the time. And I know you talk about that in a lot of your podcasts. Like, are you just working to work? And I was, I was working to work and you know, for whatever reason I meet Mimi and she has this thing and it allows this creativity that I have inside of me, this passion for doing these things, this is crazy outlet. It's like, why don't you do that? Why don't you write that? Let's throw this party. Let's. So all these ideas. So for me, right, it's, it's all these things that are in my head. My head's just spinning with things all the time. We talked about it in the pool yesterday. Like, you know, I'm writing this and I'm doing that. You're yeah. like, well, is that crazy? Some people call it crazy, but not here. It's not crazy. It's what we do. It's work. Yeah. And so, but for the parties, I think, I think what's amazing is it's what we do as a business for our clients. So it's going to be a representation of our work. And one of our tenants is obsess excellence. So that's down to the very detail like you Mm. talked about. And it's so fun to get to do that. You create an invite that creates, you know, you're coming you don't know what this party or this wedding you're you're down in feet you're like we're going where to what and um but it creates excitement um so you throw these things and you see the joy on everybody's face but what's even happened more is we've created little friendships outside of it so our group you know we want to be close to our clients we want to be close to our friends and we, we have a tenant also called one life and one life is we share everything so you, you, what you, there's no work-life balance. It's all one thing. And let's make that one thing amazing for both. It doesn't I stop work so I can go to this. It's, it's a continuation. And um, through the parties, and you remember at the wedding, there's little tent pods. Those tent pods have become friends now, and they're doing things outside of work. It's just so you're seeing this web of connection, um, yeah, grow and grow and grow, and that's I think the greatest part about the party. Yeah, connection is the key to to life, right? Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, most people aren't willing to go and have those uncomfortable conversations to open the door right. to connecting. I believe it's a superpower that that we all have. And whether Mm -hmm. you say you're an introvert or an extrovert, like I didn't like talking to people. I didn't like other humans. I couldn't stand other men. And then I became one and was like, shit, I need to work this out. Mental health, um, therapy, Mm. all of those tools that that are out there that are available. Most men won't touch. My mom was a psychotherapist growing up. So I was born into this home where I couldn't just come home from school. And when she asked me, how was school? There was no such thing as a single word answer. Right. And, and because of that, I've, I know how to peel back the layers of conversation with strangers, Mm -hmm. you know, like a chameleon or with people I know or with my own kids. Mm -hmm. What has that done for you? Not only seeing mental health, you know, the challenges that your ex-wife has gone through and is yeah. going through, but just in your own life and being able to talk about it so in a vulnerable way. Yeah. How has that helped you grow as a well, human? Well, I think, I think vulnerable is the word you say there because I, I was, you know, I held on to things really tightly too. You know, I had this family that was allowed to 
say whatever we wanted and talked about it. And a father then, and a mom, and my mom was amazing too, that was willing to listen. But I still held on to things like just pushed them down. Um, and then, you know, even when we became a single dad, I held on to that so tightly. Like, we're judged. We can't make a mistake. We don't say anything. You know, here there was that piece of it because you're looked at, you know, a certain certain way. And what I had to learn is to to step into that door and be vulnerable. So so I'd go, I'd go, and you know, because maybe there was you know anger boiling up or those things. But I never at first I didn't I didn't share. I didn't get deep. I just was there because I thought I was supposed to be there, and. Um, the point of this is we found a therapist who um, you got to find, maybe test them out. You know, if it's not working for you, move on. But we found one that she was, she approached it from such a scientific and neutral way and peeled back the layers of why I was feeling it, how I was feeling it. You don't need to share anything, but this is what I think's going on. And she broke down those barriers along with, with my amazing wife being like, we have to do this. And it was freeing once I was able to just get to that first time. I just remember like this emotion coming out and being like, okay, I can do this. This is important. And we've made it an important part of our relationship. So as you're going down this 10 year path of trying to blend the family, um, it's become a key. We have a standing meeting every Monday. If both of us can't go, one of us goes, we grab one of the kids, we go and, um, it's just a great reset. Even if it's not anything to do with our family, it's just an important way for you to get at something. Sometimes you're like, it's so simple. I know this. I know how to figure it out. And they say one word and you're like, oh, I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't, wasn't able to figure it out. And um, funny story. Um, I was, I have a, we were talking about this last night. I have a standing, um, group of friends here in Portland and we go twice, twice a month to the local steakhouse. We have bourbon and, and, um, eat steak. And, um, it was always kind of this just top layer conversation, joking around. And one person, um, finally opened up one day and it kind of opened this, this floodgate of, Oh, we talked, we just talked serious. We didn't talk about a bunch of bullshit. And through that I shared, Hey, I go to somebody uh, once a once a week and they're like you do oh my god how how did you do it blah blah so it opened up this other window for them and i said go here's her here's her number she's got you know five therapists so i went one day and tuesday and both friends were in the lobby <laughs> and they're sitting on the couch for their first appointment and yeah. i was like so proud of them yeah. you know and it was just funny that it were the three of us men by ourselves no no wives that day um making yeah. that that yeah. that leap it's making just the leap yeah. it's just something that uh we i think as a as, as males have to get over that it's okay to be vulnerable yeah and, and we say we we don't carry anything right very short-term yeah. memories yeah. the uh the the man the male right. the chromosome uh the the lizard brain that we have the reptilian brain but we do carry it we just don't know that we're carrying right. it and what I do with my clients and I'm, I'm I'm not a psychologist or a psychotherapist but I also was a guy who was afraid of the term life coach because of what my thought and feeling was towards life sure. coaches I had hired one back when I was like you know 25 26 and I didn't get the value that I truly believe I give now to my clients. But it wasn't until, you know, 
little little earlier in last year where like I owned that position because so many men were coming to me saying, bro, you know, you, you, you've taught me so much about opening up, right. about this space in between our ears, yeah. right? And I was serving people one meal. It was fitness all day long. Right with a side of nutrition, sure, right? And then a little yeah. bit of uh, maybe some hydration and supplementation, <laughs> right. but it wasn't until I said, you know what, this is my, this is my fucking purpose in life to mm. go deep yeah. into yeah. conversations with yeah. everyone. Right. And when I made that switch, I was also extremely negative for a good decade of my life where I felt that I was cursed, yeah. right? That all these problems that I had were because of other people and there was resentment right. and that my dad didn't show up. Therefore, I could have been this better version of me had this one man shown up one day. Yeah. And then I had all of those things sort of hit me hard with the loss of my own mom and the way that I lost her. And it took me a few years and of course, finding the right queen to, yeah. to own that position. But now, like I wake up in the morning and I can't wait and we, we talked about this right. again yesterday yeah. to have a fucking real conversation with real people yeah 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 and yeah. and be vulnerable and yeah. share and yeah. then you know i take it a step further and I, on on my platforms on social media you will see the best and the worst of me yeah that's the important side is to see the sometimes to see the worst in people and and for them to be comfortable to tell you the worst so that you can go oh i got that too cuz we just as men we you know we hide under that veil and and it um it manifests itself in anger. That's basically what happens. Rage. It's rage, and and I'd go through those situations where why did I blow up over something so stupid? Like it's because you're holding on to all these other things, and then you saw that one spark point to just let it yeah. come out. And I think you know by what you're doing is showing, hey, it's not every day's amazing. Yeah. You know, it, I have bad days, and it's all right. But how do we react to those bad days? How yeah. do we, what do we do to fix it? How do we find positivity in it or move to a positive state of mind yeah. from it? You know, yeah. and that's the daily struggle. And um, we just have to keep getting better at it. Yeah. You yeah. know, we, I, I haven't fixed it 100%, but I'm getting better at it and, and showing the effort and the tool, finding the tools to get better and better and better. Yeah. You know? and, and the superficial part, we can blame it on society. We can blame it on social media. We can blame yeah, it on all those pieces. But again, it's, it's, you're blaming others right. and not taking ownership or responsibility mm -hmm. for your own life. Yeah. You know, I'm a big believer in letting go of yesterday, you know, and even though, you know, I had a day two days ago where I was like, this is one of the best days in flow and harmony I've had in, in a good six month block right. where it was just like, I had tunnel vision, the, the, the words, the, uh, the people that I was surrounding myself with the environment, sure. all of those touch points I felt were like amazing to where I could say, you know what today is, if it's not the best day of my life, it's one of the best. And then to keep having those over and over again, right. but they're not going to happen every day. Right. Bad days are okay. Yeah. yeah. As long as we don't bring yesterday into today. Yeah. No, I agree with you hundred percent. I, I went through, uh, when my, when my dad passed away, um, he went through ALS, which is a terrible disease. It takes your, you know, it takes your body, but it doesn't take your mind. So you lose all ability to function um, quickly. By the time you're diagnosed, you typically have six to eight months, maybe a year. So you have to put things into perspective pretty fast. And um, I was lucky enough to be between uh, a, to a job and, and was able to be with him quite a bit. And um, 
that you know having that time with him was 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 amazing and but finding that perspective from him of like you got to let stuff go and it, when you were saying let go like it, it for me it was a uh, he's like you don't have you see that right you don't have if you don't have all the time in the world why are you dwelling on those negative things in the past you you know move on find a positive way whether it drives you to get better or you use it as something in the back of your head of you know that sucked i never want to go there again but um just move move forward um and through that you know when he died the day after he died um my other mentor and coach uh, he was my college coach and the guy I would have called, it was the day after he died wow. in a car accident. And wow. so I could have sank, you know, but these two men had taught me you know, this. He, he was a great coach and great life. Another father figure, like I said before, a coach father. Um, I was able to bury them, you know, go through the sadness, but not they wouldn't have wanted me to dwell on that and they yeah. could have sunk a lot of people or sunk me in a different state of mind but i've learned from that too and you know is anything as bad as that you know you come here and to the office and the copy machine doesn't work like <laughs> what are you gonna do no you know <laughs> copy machines nobody's dying we're gonna be all right let's yeah. let's let's figure it we'll figure it out yeah you know and um so i've just had that same kind of mindset of you got to put it away yeah were you able to tell your dad what you meant to him uh, before he left? I did, yeah. Like I said, I had that time. Um, we got to spend, you know, we got to spend almost every day. I just, just made it a goal to try to go over there every day. And, I, you know, I was helping my mom in you know, his wheelchair take take him to his appointments and um, have some deep conversations. And that's really where I learned, you know, the things that we talked about before. I, I kind of knew it, but um, where I learned about his past and, I asked the deeper questions because I think sometimes we don't go where we need to go until you realize, oh shit, there's a there's a finality to this. I I have this opportunity, thank God, you know, he didn't like my coach get hit by a, or get in a car accident and die instantly. I have this time, I got to use it yeah. to find out as much as I can about him and yeah, let him know what he meant to me. Uh, let him know the lessons that I'm going to take forward and um, you know all the things that I appreciated. So. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna take a, a a metamorphical pause in this, and this yeah. is for you, the listeners, the the fathers, or even mothers out there. I'm getting a lot of feedback of, can I listen to it too, uh, from all the women? And yes, of course you can, but just know that the language that we choose to use and the conversations and where things head, whether it's uh, sexuality or spirituality, are with the man and the father in mind. But I want you to take a pause in this podcast and call call your mom or call your dad or call your relative or call somebody who means something to you that you've been bullshitting about for some time and when this podcast comes out whatever day of the week it is take the time and the energy to make this call and tell that person just in a real simple short form i love you i miss you i'm thinking about you because that's what we forget to do because life consumes us because the weekend consumes us because the events and the experience consume us but at the end of the day what we need to do is give from the depths of our soul and, and and the bottom of our heart what other people need and it's love yeah and if you're listening to this right now this is your opportunity who gives a shit about the past who cares about what happened yesterday or last year or when you were a kid 
that's the one I, I can't stand is when people tell me about what happened to them when they were a kid. Look, some shit happened to me too, but if I keep spending my energy and time on that, right. I can't grow into this new me. Yeah. You're constantly growing. You're constantly doing more than you did the day before. What does it mean to you now to continue to evolve as a human and as a man in this blended family now, yeah. knowing that you got one who's on his way out within a year and one who's going to be out in two to three years. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. So, you know, I approach that two ways as, um, I've had to learn, you know, so, so being a a dad to Jackson and then also being a stepdad to Bennett, um, uh, it's, you know, it's two different styles. It's two different kids that you weren't necessarily ready for, um, either situation. Right. So I, I had some flexibility there, but, um, uh, that growth, you know, the biggest thing is the, is the growth with my connection to Bennett. It's been, um, it's been an amazing journey to build that bond. Um, and I'm glad that for me, I'm glad it was second, um, so that I have more time with as it, as it, as it grows, like you said, cause, cause yeah, Jackson's out the door next year. And, uh, I gotta tell you, I have dreams probably, four nights a week that he's still a little guy, you know, in some way he wants me to hold his hand across and I wake up and I'm just like, I'm kind of sad, you yeah. know, but at, then I would, you know, realize where he is as a human and he's an amazing kid. He's got the tools. He said what you just talked about is, um, you know, he could dwell on the past. He's this divorced kind of, uh, not great family situation early on for him, um, where he's gone dyslexia, you know, struggles at school, the grind he has to do, but he's in, he's in a good spot. And so I wake up and I'm like, he's ready for this. You know, he doesn't need my, doesn't need my hand to get across the street. He knows how to get across the street. So I'm ready for it in a way. Uh, I'll, I'll break down. I know, but, um, I'm ready for it. And then with, with Bennett, it's getting him there, um, as the father figure, uh, in his life. And, um, getting him ready for that is, is the challenge at the same time, you know? Um, and so we'll be able to focus on that. And then when he's gone, I'm, I'm young, (laughs) you know, like a lot of my friends are have, I've got, hopefully, I mean, I'll be, I'll be, I think we calculated it 45 when the kids are out of that. I mean, that's a lifetime. I still have half my life. You can get 30 more degrees or, you know, find the next adventure. Um, so we'll see what happens there. You know, for us, my wife and I, it's uh, important for giving back. Yeah. So we, we've been really kind of channeling when they're gone, where are we giving back? And um, I think she, t- she hit on it yesterday when we were talking, but whatever your passion is, find something, whether it's animals, kids, um, you know, homelessness, um, the environment. For, for us, it's children. And we're finding um, finding those pathways in, in you know big brother big sister uh, a benefit we support in Africa and one in uh, Peru and we'll be able to dive into those harder as well and keep that connection with children and, yeah. and helping them so. yeah and 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 before we get into that because I do want to touch upon that we talk about tough love uh, the 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 phrase itself is two words it means yeah. tough yeah. and it means love yeah. yesterday we played some basketball and right. I, I can tell right away 
if a father is giving his kids tough love or not. Well, you know what? We beat those kids down. We did. But we did it with love. That's right. I could tell you throw that elbow in there just a little bit with Bennett. Yeah. yeah. And even though he, he is your son, right? right? But yep. but he's your stepson, right? right. And, and yeah. he came to you later on in your life. But you also told him you loved him this morning as he got out of the car at football practice. Yeah. Is it natural? And has it always been natural for you to be able to share kind of tough love? Uh, yeah, it has been natural. I, I think um, I was shown it. You know, my dad never let us win. Yeah. And um, I've never let them let them win. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something, you know, just watching both boys, they didn't complain. They weren't saying, oh, this is rigged. This is. Yeah. And can't, you know, watch a cannon. Like we said, I forgot what we said, something about um, switching up teams or they get, we would only shoot threes oh, or something yeah. like that. Only pass twice. Only pass twice. And yeah. he's like, no, I don't want that. Yeah. You know, and, and same yeah. with Bennett. They're like, no, we're going we're gonna to beat you guys. They ended up beating us one game, you yeah. know, but um, no, you, it, it's our role. It's not going to be easy. Yeah. Right. And it's a safe place for them to learn that. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. I'm going to be hard on you, but you can learn from it. There's a place where you're not falling on your face, you know, or you'll fall on your face, but I'll pick you up yeah. kind of thing. And um, I've taken that immediately with, with him. And I think I said stepson. I never really say stepson. Yeah. And I That's think it's son. just in, in, in explaining. He's my son. He calls me dad. He's like, you know, in all the writings and stuff he does, I, I'm really lucky I have, you know, I have two dads. Um, yeah. and, and his dad's uh, his dad does the best he can to, to, to be around. Um, but it's just not the same kind of strong relationship with father and son. And so I'd fill that, fill that gap. But I, if I have Jackson and I'm doing that with Jackson, I certainly – can't show any difference and um you know from bennett's perspective you're the only child you're the oldest boy and then this other man and his older son come into your life and you just move down a few rungs and i know it's been a challenge for him so it's also watching that as well for him you know and the tough like we can be hard on him and have him learn that and and i think it's been a good lesson for him but also we also had, he didn't start in that position. He's had to adjust to that position. So we have to be conscious also of of how hard we go sometimes with him and and give him opportunities for small victories. You know, yeah. maybe when he is playing when he's younger, when he's playing against you know me or Jackson, it's hey, if you get the basket, you get winners. We'll we'll take losers, so he can at least get to an equal footing where he's feeling like he can compete. But now. You know, you see it in him. He's he's ready to go yeah. and he, at his level with the kids his age. You know, he's beating them. Yeah, because he's had that side with his brother and, yeah. and me. So. I, I was swatting the shit out of my son since the time he could <laughs> dribble a basketball. Right. And there was a time where he got upset and was like, I'm never going to face anybody as big and as right. strong as you There's are. Point, and I was right? like. That's it. That's it. That's right. Yeah. So if you can shoot over me, if you can dribble past me, if you can take a tackle, if you can wrestle with me yeah. at yeah. 9, 10, 11, 12, when you get to be 13 or 16 years old, you're right. going to dominate. 100%. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I see that with... with both of you. Oh yeah, you know, the, the girl, the girl too. You, yeah, where you, is she? She's you, running around here. She's somewhere. a feisty. You know, yeah. she's gonna 
take out some people too. She's, yeah, she's scary. She's got it. (laughs) (laughs) Great personality. Yeah, Yeah, no, I think, I I think that's so, so important. And, And I think what then it lends to is if you can build that confidence, I was impressed with, with my kids and, and what I've seen with your kids, they're, they're asking for training. They're asking to go play like, Hey, I, this is coming up. We're, we're, we're on vacation in McCall, this beautiful Lake town in Idaho. You've been there yeah. and uh, it's at elevation. It's, it's up there. It's, you know, 6,000, 7,000 feet. We're there from sea level. And they're like, Hey, this is a great opportunity for us to train. I know we're on vacation. We have football coming up and they went out every day and yeah. they, they asked for it, which is, um, which is awesome. Especially yeah. with this, you know, I, I hate talking generations yeah. cause I don't think yeah. that's yeah. true. Yeah. I think every, you know, older generation thinks the other one is lazier. But I, I, I think this generation is actually going to do some amazing things. And for I, sure. and I think the millennial generation is going to do some amazing things, but, um, but for them to say, I want to go kick my own ass. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. And and when we see, uh, let's call it the head down in the phone at dinner at a restaurant, right? Like, so, you know, the new sort of rule is, uh, no phones at when we go out to eat. Yeah. Like not even to like, you know, calendar plan or or schedule or review something, but it's like no phones because it forces us to be completely engaged and yeah. present in, in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then when we see other kids, like I'm not pointing the finger, but I'm like, yo, see that right there? Yeah. That's not how you want to be. Yeah. Right. And if you notice, they will shake hands and look you in the eyes. Yeah. Dads, if your kids cannot shake uh, someone's hand and look yeah. them in the eyes, you better start over. That's right. <laughs> Period. Uh, uh, absolutely. And, uh, it's one of those things too, going back to my parents is, um, they, they taught me to respect adults, but don't fear adults mm. and use adults for the knowledge and the things they had. And that, that is, it's shaking their hand. It's talking with them. Um, mm. And it's something I've done with, you know, with both boys and uh, people for a long time with you know, like Jackson, like, where did this kid come from? I can sit down and have a yeah. adult conversation with yeah. him. He's not afraid to get up and speak. And it's, it's building that confidence with them. As you look somebody in the eye, you talk to them, you, you're not distracted you um and don't fear it don't fear authority or older people respect it yeah but don't fear it and um you know with his dyslexia uh, he's had to be a self-advocate like at some point it's on you if you need extra help or you're not learning in the class um you have the tools you go to an amazing school that supplies you these things you you have to go seek it out yeah and he's done it you know and that's going to be for him going forward is not to be afraid to say, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me or show me how to do it? Yeah. You know, I think sometimes men uh, will do that a lot. We know the whole old, old things, you know, I'm not going to stop and ask directions. I know how to yeah. get there in my head. Yeah. And uh, I think distilling that in yeah. the kids younger too is like, it's okay to not know. Yeah. It's not okay to, to ask and figure it out. That's, yeah. that part's not, that's not good. Yeah, I still won't stop and ask for directions, but uh, <laughs> but I will hire a ton of coaches. And, and yeah. what I've found out in my experience, not only as a coach, but just in growth, that the more people you can surround yourself with, the more people you can pay and hire to hold you accountable. Because if you didn't pay them, they wouldn't hold you accountable right. and you wouldn't get the result that you wanted to. There, There is this circle of information and education that happens, yeah, right? Sure. Like I feel more compelled to go to my boxing coach because he says be here on tuesday at 4 p.m and i pay him and that transfer of both energy and resources creates discipline yeah 100 that i didn't have before let's take a quick pause here and talk about 
shameless self-promotion oh, as okay. I often like to talk about. Tell us about <laughs> just 24-7, where you're at, what kind of businesses or companies you guys are constantly working with. And if there is a listener out there who 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 is in the business or has a company or just wants to learn more, how can they find you and hear more about you? Yeah, so uh, so 24-7, uh, we, like I said, we've been around for 22 years uh, in business. We're, we're a, a branding and um, experience marketing firm, but we're really steeped in the science of, of humans and people. And um, we study consumers, we study people's passions, uh, what, what makes them tick. And then that helps us drive for our clients, um, the consumer experience, what's the journey. So if you're launching a new product and you need, uh, to, from naming to branding to how do we get this to the consumer? What's the best outlet for, is it brick and mortar? Is it online? Then from there, we actually literally have a, a amazing team of designers that can create the experience, can create all the fixtures, all the, graphics all of the multimedia um you know we're working all facets of vr we're on the forefront of some pretty pretty cool things that way and how it connects with consumers so yeah, it, yeah. It, it's hard to plug that other than i've never been more wowed yeah. right and I, I i feel that i've always had creative energy yeah. uh in my life i was an only child yeah. single parent and like i would just get lost in anything from drawing to bike riding um i i, I just love creativity now creativity for me is a blank slate it's a piece of paper and a pen yeah. or a pencil it's on an airplane or it's at you know two in the morning and it's just finding uh, new ways to look at old problems or to old ways. Yep. And that's everything from the way I organize and manage my family to the way that I coach and I lead to the way that I even just see the world. Yeah. This place is, is amazing. And you in it is even more amazing. Uh, I want to ask you one more question yeah, here thanks. and I'm going to, I'm, I want to leave it like this. If your oldest son Jackson came to you in three summers and said, Hey, my girlfriend and I are having a baby. And within a year or two, they got married and then got divorced. And you're looking at your son and your grandson uh, at 47, 48 years of age. <laughs> and he's a single dad. What words of wisdom do you say to him? Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny you asked me that question because I've thought about it, you know, as he's approaching that age and you reflect back to, who, how young and who you were as a person, what, what did that age really mean in that phase in your life? But, you know, I think f for what I would tell him is, is, is a basic thing that is, is love, you know, love that kid, love and respect, respect, respect for his, his mom or whatever the situation is. But, um, take, take, Take all the lessons you've learned in life. You're a mature young man at this point, and um, lead with with love, and it'll get you, it'll get you down that path. You know, you're cutting through, but you, you'll find it. So that's beautiful. Yeah. And uh, you know, we can never get upset, right? Like yeah. I look at the things I did. I shared with you this morning. Right. My first day of school, uh, I crashed my car. Yeah, I'm going a little too fast. First day of wrestling practice. First day of my driver's license, and I took a couple bends and turns, and I crashed the car. Um, if my son crashes a car on his first day, like how could I get upset, right? Yeah. How could I be pissed yeah. off at that? You, yeah, you can. It's um. It's I'm here to support you. Whatever you need, we're in a position to help you. Uh, so lean on us as well. 
you know, I think I remember that situation. Um, you know, when you were playing ball in the house and the ball's about to hit the window and you kind of close your eyes and everything slows down and you don't hear anything and you're just hoping, you know, waiting for that, that crash sound and time stops. I was living in that for a little while mm-hmm. of just that, like, don't want to hear it. I don't want anybody to know about it. And it took me, you know, once I made that leap to say, I'm going to be this kid's father and I'm going to get custody. Everything, the world came back into view. Mm-hmm. And um, then I was able to lean on people and, and not hide from it and yeah. not just hope that it doesn't crash through the window. Like it's going to hit the window. How are we going to deal with it? Who's going to help me? Yeah. So yeah, being a problem yeah. solver, but not doing the work for your kids, yeah. but just showing them the guide. All right. Thank you, brother, for being yeah, here. Thank you for taking it. some time. If you extracted some value, some information, some content, if you just truly enjoyed the authentic conversation that Chris and I had, all we ask is that you share this podcast. If you really, really enjoyed it, go ahead and give us a subscription, follow this podcast, give us a five-star rating, tell us what you thought about it. And if you want to go even deeper and peel back a few more layers, reach out to me. I am uh, I am an open soundboard and I'm always looking for engaging conversations on fatherhood. My email is luke at lukekayem.com. We'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. Like a river, like a river, like a river. Like a river, like a river, like a river, shut your mouth and run me like a river. How do you fall in love? Harder than a bullet could hit you. How do we fall apart? Faster than a hairpin trigger. Don't you say, don't you say, don't you say, don't you say, one breath, it'll just break it. So shut your mouth and run me like a river. Shut your mouth, baby, stand and deliver. Holy hands, oh, they make me a sinner. Like a river, like a river. Shut your mouth and run me like a river. Choke this love till the veins start to shiver. One last breath till the tears start to wither. Like a river, like a river, shut your mouth and run me like a river. Cursed is fools, where? I don't know that part. It's okay. It's great. You did it.